When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the Week 5 Breakdown with a little bit of a look at the Week 6 waivers. I'm Chris Welsh, your host today, joined by Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley, in a week that covered lots of weird different points from massaged thighs to major injuries and to this morning as we record this first coach down coach down Matt rule has officially been fired uh he is out after going 11 and 38 Steve Wilkes is going to take over as interim coach Jake Seeley is there any future hope for the Panthers after everything that has been disastrous blank no what else is changing (laughs) Did they get a new quarterback? Did they get a new offensive line? Did they get a new roster? Like, what's changing? Nothing's they actually changing. might get a new quarterback. Uh, Baker Mayfield out for some x-rays after being hurt <clears throat> no. against the 49ers. And P.J. Walker would be better, but is it, no. Is Sam Darnold coming back, which is sad. That's just all you need to know when the hope is, can Sam Darnold come back? That's all you need to know about this team. It's Christian yeah. McCaffrey. Nothing else. Move on. Next team. Doesn't matter if it's Ben McAdoo or Steve Wilkes calling the plays. Probably still Ben McAdoo. It doesn't matter. Team's trash. Straddle yeah. in or strap straddle and strap in everybody because the Carolina Panthers don't have a lot of picks either. You're stuck with this for a couple of years of this nonsense. Yeah, Steve Wilkes is a defensive guy as well. He was the one time coach of the 2018 Arizona Cardinals who went three and 13. They had two good players on offense, not a quarterback in uh, David Johnson, a versatile, you know, high volume threat and Larry Fitzgerald. So you basically have like the same blueprint for Steve Wilkes that he had in Arizona. No quarterback a dominant volume guy at running back and a DJ Moore, Larry Fitzgerald comparison there. So I, you know, Jake said it, there's, this is just a, you know, crap hole that they're sitting in and uh, not really a whole lot of daylight to be found at the moment. Is, I mean, when I look at all the guys, there's really not much hope. Like you said, you think there could be any philosophical change that we could get? I mean, I guess there's still, still no quarterback. I want to have hope for DJ Moore and I want to, I want to pretend that DJ Moore can benefit somehow from coaches going away and maybe quarterbacks being down and there could be a different one. But I don't know. I don't know how much different, like if, if you were standing on a cliff and I don't know why you're on a cliff and why a wide receiver would be the one that would save you, but if you could only be saved by a pass being completed to DJ Moore or a pass being completed to Allen Robinson, who would you put your life on? Oh, DJ Moore. I would choose option number three and not put myself in that situation. Yeah, I, well, I don't know why we're on a cliff, but yeah. DJ Moore has been exponentially better than Allen Robinson, and that's, you know, and we know how bad DJ Moore has been. I mean, that's obviously obviously not DJ Moore's fault, but, like, the situation's not nearly as – Allen Robinson's gone. Uh, yeah, I, I think I have him in, like, five teams. He's he, he, It's going to be a mass broom sweeping this week. I'm, I'm fairly certain. I'll have to go look and see what's available out there. But, I mean, 
almost anything is going to be better than Allen Robinson at this point. Yeah. And I guess I was also like incorporating like the quarterback play and like that. That's everything to the player. But yeah, it just doesn't get much worse than Allen Robinson and whatever's going on. It's not, it's not that. It's five extra receptions and 90 extra yards. That's not. <laughs> F them both. <laughs> yeah, they're both pretty done, uh, as is Matt Rule. So he goes off into the wild blue yonder of coach, and uh, he can go and coach some college football or something like that, but he won't be in the NFL. Disastrous, disastrous as the uh, 49er. I mean, 49ers' final uh, nail in the coffin for Matt Rule and that team is they just looked oh, bad. So coaching down. Any uh, guesses on, because you can always bet on like the coaches to go down. Any guesses on who the next coach to go is? Anybody? Jake? In the, in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. Next no. fired. No. End of season? Okay, here's a better one. Do you think we get a coach that is fired in season, or are the rest going to be out of uh, after the season? That's what I was saying. No. This, this is it. We're done. Brandon? Ooh. I, I don't know. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett? Like, he should have been Ooh, gone by yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to pull the plug in year one. Yeah, we'll have to see if Russ, where Russell's opinion is on him a little bit later, because I'm sure he'll be the one pulling the strings. Although <laughs> he may be losing string pulling power if, if things continue the way they've been going, you know, for another month. <laughs> Russ not doing so great. Um, over um, over on the actual football side, not on the coaching side. Boy, uh Remember last week when I brought up this whole question, like, hey, let's talk about Ken Walker, and let's talk about what can we do with Ken Walker right now. Man, does Rashad Penny look good, and he's gone because Rashad Penny suffered a fractured tibia in the game. He was rolled up over on the sideline. He was down. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this is, this is the thing. This is it. This is whatever. This is what's been called for, and Ken Walker ends up coming in. Now, he broke a 69-yard run, Otherwise would have finished seven for 19, but he ended up finishing eight for 88. Ken Walker is now the guy. And Brandon, let's start with you. This is your team. What type of running back does that make him? He has that volume. He's theoretically the guy that you could argue DJ Dallas when Travis Homer comes back. Maybe they don't trust. Who the hell knows? What type of running back in your eyes is Ken Walker going to be moving forward with Penny out? I think he'll be a slam dunk RB2. I think he'll take over Rashad Penny's role. I think, yeah, you will see some DJ Dallas or Travis Homer when he's healthy. But my perception of Ken Walker, and I had to double check this, was that so far, limited touches, he's like banging his head against a brick wall and then breaking, you know, and then breaking a, a decent run. And uh, on Sunday, it was 69 yarder. But I looked at his stuff percentage on 23 carries. Uh, I think he's had. Five no gains. Um, he's basically right there with Rashad Penny, and so it was like twenty percent versus nineteen percent. It was a negligible difference. So I, I don't think that's been the case. I think that was more the perception than the actual reality. But I, you know, you're looking at fifteen plus carries a week with his kind of Barry Sanders esque, you know, break along one potential. Like there's there is that like. You know, you're gonna you're gonna do nothing, do nothing, but give the ball to him enough times, and there is that potential for the sixty nine yard breakout. So like I I yeah, I think he's RB two. That's you know, that's kind of where I'm at. I think he's a solid RB two. Brandon dropping a Barry Sanders reference on Ken Walker there for that breakout potential. Forty five percent owned on Yahoo right now. Obviously, um Ken Walker is the potential to be the waiver claim guy. So Jake, same question. What type of running back do you think that he's going to be now with Penny out? He's Damian Harris. 
That's who it is. And it's Damian Harris because DJ Dallas is going to be the passing game. And that's what we're looking at here. So uh, possibly a little bit more of the share than Damian Harris and Stevenson had before Harris got hurt is where that was kind of a 55-45 split. And depending on the week, could even grow larger or become even more of a 50-50 split. Uh, this is definitively two roles. So that's more appealing in, that, in the fact that I think that the best look at this is Damian Harris from last year. I would say even going forward, Damian Harris from last year is thousand yards. Like I, I don't think Ken Walker is going to get into the range of 14, 1500 yards or even over 17 games, depending on like the usage of this. It's going to come down to the offense and his opportunity there. So it comes down to touchdown success. As Brandon said, you know, you hope for like Derrick Henry breaks off one and breaks a couple tackles and then he gets out in space and, you know, he has the speed to run away. But uh, I, I know Fuston wasn't saying Barry Sanders is what he's going to be, uh, but like I, I said this, I'll say the same thing I said during the draft process is he's a lesser version of Derrick Henry. That, that's what I'll say. And I think that's what you're looking at. DJ Dallas involved in the passing game, sap some of his upside. RB2 is fair where you want to break him down in the RB2 conversation, you know, even whether it's high end, mid, low RB2 is fair. Like he's an RB2, which means you're starting him every single week. No questions asked. Let me. Yeah. I was just saying stylistically, stylistically, there's a Barry Sanders to his game. He's, you know, he's bulky, but he's small, but he has video game like moves and he has big breakaway potential. A lot of times I was a huge Barry Sanders fan. A lot of times he was just nothing, 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 nothing. And then he would break a big one. that would save his day. I just think that's what we'll see out of Ken Walker a lot. Well, you know what you're tweeting out. (laughs) (laughs) Boston <laughs> <laughs> no, calls him Barry Sanders. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. The highlight. Who's the next Barry Sanders? Find out on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, all right. How about this? Ken Walker or Ezekiel Elliott? Rest of season. Brandon. Ken Walker. The split's bigger. Okay, that's all it is. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's okay. Ken Walker because I think. You're but going- if Damian Harris didn't get hurt, I'd probably say that's a toss-up. That's that's why I brought up Damian Harris. Um, how about this one? Ken Walker or Najee Harris? Najee Harris is dead. Ken Walker. Najee Harris is Najee Harris is in the conversation with DJ Moore and Alan Robinson all the way. Stop pretending the names there because we gave passes and I myself I say we, everybody, myself included, gave passes. Trubisky's killing this offense. The offensive line is killing this offense. Ah, uh, that's two straight games where Jalen Warren's looked better. And I'm not saying Jalen Warren is better. But the conversation we had at draft time was that we don't care if the offense sinks because we expected Saquon Barkley, all the touches, and he can do something. He could at least break two or three a game if he's going to be getting 20 touches every single week because, yes, unlikely you get a top 10 running back from a bottom 10 offense, but Barkley's doing it. Najee Harris isn't. Najee Harris is proving the rule is more likely to be 80% of the time it doesn't work. And again, Warren's looked better in two straight. I get, I'm not saying he is. But it's two straight weeks where he's looked better. This is something Bogman and I just talked about on our ITL breakdown was this exact thing with Najee Harris that he thinks Najee's dead. I'm getting pretty out. He's going to look like one of the biggest busts and the usage just doesn't work anymore. Brandon, I mean, are you going to make this a unanimous decision that unfortunately the capital we spent on Najee Harris is going to be in our brains? But at this point, rest of season, Ken Walker or Najee Harris? Yeah, I'll go Ken Walker as well. I'm not going to say Najee is dead, but I think we got to just, you know, you know, think that maybe there's some residual from that from the summer injury with the Liz Franck that he was dealing with. 
there is a new quarterback. They're not throwing the ball to him as much as Ben Roethlisberger did. He's his, you know, his projected targets is way down over last year. And this offensive line seems like it's worse. And that could have something to do with the fact that, you know, they had us, you know, for as, as old as Ben Roethlisberger was, he understands, he understands offenses and, and where they have problems and how to maybe mask them a little bit better than Mr. Bisky and Kenny Pickett can do. So, um, there's a lot of headwind here for Najee Harris, and, I, and he's dead for dead for this year. Yeah, probably we're going to have a major disappointment, but you know we can have him back in the first round next year. Uh, you know things can change, but I just think for for now, yeah, I'm taking Ken Walker. It's going to be very fascinating to see uh, in a couple of days where everybody, and including on uh, Jake's athletic article, where the ranks are for week six on Ken Walker and where he sits out. It'll be in that RB2 category or territory. But when you start to see the names really sprawled out on how things are starting to go and you're going to see, you see the Elliots and the Najee Harris's under, it's going to be an eye opener to where this season has gone. Speaking of where this season has gone, by God, Taysom Hill a four-touchdown day. He became the highest-scoring tight end of the week, and he did not catch a single pass. Rushed nine for 112, three touchdowns, also threw a score, so far making him the fourth-scoring tight end in fantasy. He's a cheat code. You could even argue maybe a cheat in general because he you know, has been given the designation and doesn't really play that position. Jake, thoughts on Taysom Hill, and is he just a must-start moving forward, or is this one game going to accompany 75% of his season production? Mm, do I give you edit work? Do I do, I do that? Because fantasy-wise, four chop sandwiches, that guy. And then on the flip side of it, there's your edit work. So you gave me work. You gave so me there work. you go. Uh, on the real life you know side. I, by the way, real quick, do you know what I put when those happen? I don't. I don't. I, I have a sound effect for it. And I, I might change it out. I'm using farm animals. I have farm animals. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. Animals. I used to, uh, on my podcast, I used to use pork chop sandwiches from the G.I. Joe back in the day. Pork chop sandwiches. Like, like, I probably uh, should put that. Yeah. No, I've been putting yeah, a, good, a good moo, like a <laughs> like in there. <laughs> that, that, that's also good. But yeah, so that's fancy purposes wise. And then real life, which case, he's fun. And your thing is, yeah, he is a must start at tight end because now we're at the point of it's the tight end position. The first week people asked me, I said, he got four rushes. You're really going to bank on a touchdown because he's going to get four rushes. And then the very next week, it was nothing like that's that's the downside of it. But it's the tight end position. Look how many tight ends are nothing. Dallin Bellinger getting a rushing touchdown puts him as a tight end one. It's a nothing. So, yes, just pick him up if he's out there at tight end. If he is available still, if you have him, just start him every single week and live with the zeros because outside of about five or six tight ends, that's what you're doing anyway. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, Brandon, uh, it's actually, th he's actually third in half PPR. I think he's fourth in full PPR. There's only six tight ends that are registering double digit points currently when I look at this and he is in the elite territory between him and half PPR between third and fourth. There's over a three point difference that Taysom Hill is scoring more than the fourth tight end right now, obviously because of this one big game, but the 12th tight end in fantasy is scoring seven points. I mean, it is a it is a wasteland after the top six or seven. Yeah, but so he has a one really... and a six mixed in. No, there. no, I totally yeah, understand that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm I'm with all of that. It's just it's a it's a crapshoot that you're putting out there after the top five tight ends, kind of in general. So, Brandon, are you are you with all this? Yeah, I mean, you got a couple top ten tight ends this week that caught like one pass, but they ran a ball in Daniel Bellinger and Durham Smythe. You know. Um, 
and you're talking, I mean, Mercedes Lewis was a top 15 guy. He had one catch for two yards and a touchdown. Like that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with. So why not? Like, why not roll the dice? If Tyson Hill gives you almost nothing, then, well, you know what? There's, if you're out in that world, if you do, literally don't have Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, you're, you know, or Dallas Goddard, it was just a couple other guys, but you're literally kind of like rolling the dice anyways. So you might as well roll a dice on a guy that has like a cathedral for a ceiling of upside, you know? Um, I kind of, I kind of pre- predicted this though, when we were on our last show, Jake, Jake signed off early and we were talking about how tight can your tight end go? I said, it's the Seahawks, man. I can see Taysom Hill doing something or even yeah. Juwan Johnson. But if you watch some of those defenses that the Seahawks were doing when Taysom Hill was coming in and you knew that he was running the ball and they were not stacking second level defenders, they were putting all their defenders on the line of scrimmage. And then as soon as the hole opened, Taysom Hill was gone. There was no safety playing deep back there was no you know linebacker sitting and just waiting for him to break through he just once he was through he was gone i was like i mean good god the seahawks defense defense is terrible we i mean we kind of know this but they're right there with the lions as being just just you know at the bottom of the barrel you know what would be really interesting is in how it's you know scored on a lot of sites coming into this game the seahawks were the worst uh, for tight ends or better said they give the most fantasy points to tight ends are they going to count those points to Taysom Hill as a tight end, or are they going to count those as a quarterback in no, how it's he's, registered? He's, I'm pretty sure he's tight end everywhere now. I don't, I don't yeah, know so, if anybody has him le- left over a quarterback. But, well, let's just say that Kyler Murray, a, run, a running quarterback, is looking very good this week going up against yeah. the Seattle Seahawks. Well, f- for your point about that, the Seahawks are fourth worst and dead last in pass or in run. De- or actually, run is fourth worst, pass is the worst in EPA, defense allowed. So there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing. And now, if you were this week given just real quick the decision and you have Gerald Everett and Taysom Hill. Uh, Brandon oh, Sarvey, Gerald Everett's Parker. already dead, too. Darnold Palmer's back. Give me a better option than that. Parham, okay. Parham already come back, came back and cut into that. This, that was the warning <laughs> all along that was coming. I think I only have one other good one because I was going to say Njoku and I had to think Njoku. I'm not sure if Njoku. I mean, Joku had a good oh, week this Hill. week. Uh, Tyler Higgins. Here, here's one. There you go. There, that was the, <laughs> so that's the one I was going to throw. Yeah, that was the one I, I said I had that was good. Okay, because I think Higby's what he's got like nine or ten every single week, eight or ten. Yeah, that, that's so that's the thing, right? Six, like, ten, eight, twelve, eight. I would just play Taysom Hill. You're playing. You get twenty five or you get two, but Higby's the floor play. With Jameis Winston, does that change it at all? Do you think there's less sub packages if Jameis Winston's there? I mean, it's always possible. I mean, Ertz is the same though too. Eight, eleven, eight, thirteen, eight, and so. Hell, I mean, outside of Andrews and Kelsey and maybe Goddard, Goddard's basically the same as Ertz. Outside of Andrews and Kelsey, you could just make the argument to play at Taysom Hill. That's where we're at. That's the conversation. Because everybody really else has the same tight end that's not losing you the game, but Taysom Hill's the one right. there that could actually so play you. So Goddard, Ertz, Higby, uh, maybe Friar before he got hurt. Kittle, although he's been asking a block, but he had a decent game. They also were up late and kind of, Asked them to kind of come off the field a little bit more, but like those kind of names, those are your floor guys. And outside of those, like I said, six tight ends, and then just put in Taysom Hill. Yeah, I'm going to lose. Are- I'm going to lose this week for playing Tyler Conklin over Taysom Hill. Oh, you can't! Mm. No, 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 no. I've got to lose in a super flex league to a guy starting Billy Zappi and Cleo Herbert. That's how bad my week was. <laughs> so, no, no, no. <laughs> All right, uh, over in that Bill Steeler game, and had two interesting things that happened. Gabe Davis is back. Uh, you could put an exclamation or maybe even a little bit of a question. He had two huge plays, had a 98 yarder 
uh, that scored a touchdown to start the game. He had another big one. Ended up yeah, with three too. catches. Three catches. Okay, <laughs> no moo. One seventy-one, <laughs> two touchdowns, but only three catches in this. And on the same side of it, George Pickens' season, I believe, is fully in uh, tow, as we had kind of talked about. Eight targets, six catches, eighty-three yards. So I'm I'm intertwining both of these players just simply because I I wonder if we could talk about them in the general same breath because on the bill side. Kalusha Kerr looks pretty good. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie was out. They come back. They've just got a lot of weapons. They're getting Gabe Davis back involved. This is still Stefan Diggs' offense. So Gabe Davis, is this officially back in for all the crazy costs people paid? And is George Pickens a wide receiver three or two moving forward? Uh, whoever wants to jump in first, Jake or Brandon. Well, I was saying F that guy, the move thing to Gabe Davis, because like, this, this is going to camp. I'm taking your question. And I'm kind of turning it a little bit for a quick pivot because pivot. this is the entire thing of Amal Ross A. Brown, Gabe Davis, David Montgomery, list go down the list, go down the list. This is what we never have the full story. We never get the full information. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster heading into tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. This is the questionable, 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 questionable. How healthy are they? We're never going to get the full story. The coaches are never going to tell us, hey, Gabe Davis is finally 100% after the past two weeks. I said, screw that guy, because if I knew he was 100%, just like weeks one and two, I would have had Gabe Davis inside my top 20, potentially inside my top 15. But because of the past two weeks, Adam is a boomer bust wide receiver three. Same thing with Amon Ross St. Brown, boomer bust wide receiver two, not knowing who, what these guys are going to be like. So they'll say, it's like, this is what you're faced with. We're never going to get the full story. We're never going to know. You play this risk reward factor. It's very similar to the conversation we were just having, Taysom Hill versus the tight ends. 100% healthy Gabe Davis is top 20 every single week, period. End of statement. That's why I tried to come for a trade for Brandon. I wish he would have taken it for Gabe Davis in the flex leagues. And then for George Pickens, this I just did all that time because George Pickens' answer is already yes. It was already a yes last week. I already told you George Pickens was tough. He was on my waiver for the last two weeks we did this show. Yeah, but from a confidence level, I think. I think people are still questioning. Like We, we were going through some What more do you need Sunday. to say? No, I agree. I'm, I'm One fewer think, target than Chase Claypool and a hell of a lot more with it because he's better than Chase Claypool. I think Pickett obviously loves him, and I think he was sitting in that like high wide receiver three, low wide receiver two general range. But no, I think people he I, loves him. He did throw it to Deontay thirteen times. Yeah, Deontay loves to drop passes. It's his favorite thing to do. This. Oh, year. we're gonna do that what? again. We're what? gonna do like what? that, like last yep. year. Then everybody trade me Deontay Johnson. Do it, please. Yeah. Well, uh, Pickens, I think is still. I don't think Pickens has the um, the cachet yet. For people to feel confident, it's like, hey, Curtis Samuel or George Pickens. I don't think people are quite there knowing what they're going to get. On what about Elijah Moore or George Pickens? George Pickens. I mean, easily Pickens, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I was that's... wrong in Elijah Moore being able to sustain that top 25 value, even with Garrett Wilson, mostly because nobody wants to look his way anymore. Well, I think once you get, you kind of, yeah, I mean, once you, you're ranking these guys every week, I know once you get to 30, you start just kind of like, you know, I've been consistently putting Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore right there, but really there's a bunch of guys vying for that spot. And I think George Pickens has every right to be right there ahead mm -hmm. of him. So oh, this past week, Brandon, I wanted to rank like 15 wide receivers, wide receiver 30. Yeah. I was like, they just can't, can't put them all right there. Right. Can we just, can we just make this a, just a, tier? like everybody I'm looking at in the forties. I'm like, this is too low. And then I look at everybody in the thirties. I'm like, I don't know. I could put them in the forties. <laughs> exactly. Um, How about no, this? On Gabe uh, Davis. Yeah, on. I just really want to say on Gabe Davis, the Taysom Hill theme, Thing is apt you have to you have to play him even though 
here's the thing I don't like. He basically can say week one and in this last week were his really healthy weeks, and the, and the other two weeks, you know, where he was kind of a dud, will say, oh, he wasn't, you know, all the way healthy. My problem is, is he's supposed to be the number two target on this team. He has yet to get more than six targets in any game. The week one game that we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the Gabe Davis year that they talked about. He had five targets, four catches, yeah. 88 yards. This last week, he had six targets. It's not like he's getting a ton of targets, and that's the thing that's kind of a bummer. He has to be hyper-efficient, which has always been his game. He has been hyper-efficient, at least in terms of scoring touchdowns. It's kind of a skill he has. And that was kind of my point of bringing it up, was saying that Diggs is the main volume guy. Shakur, Shakur looks good. McKenzie has played well when healthy. You get all four of them back here. I mean, Gabe Davis is, we really don't, like in any three wide receiver format, you don't have anything to worry about. You just start him. He's off, The upside is so huge. But I'm not sure the payoff, people are going to feel confident about You know their 18 overall wide receiver they paid for Gabe Davis. You're well, it comes get down that. to roster construction. Like this is Yeah, the, great this point. Is a, this is a draft conversation to have this is why you don't draft Gabe Davis and Devonta Smith back to back at your two and three because you could get even if your number one is Justin Jefferson I mean you're going to get a week where Jefferson Justin Jefferson gets you 20 but they get you three combined because it was that kind of week so yeah. it's kind of like just comes down to roster balance of course uh, this, Raheem, this particular week it's it's the Kansas City Buffalo week so just starting them all just start them all oh. right <laughs> it's <laughs> blindly that, blindly two, put the them out there scoring 30 plus points per game yeah yeah uh, Raheem Mostert went off 18 for 113 and a score while Chase Edmonds was shut out. He received one carry and had two targets, zero catches. So I think there's been well, a lot of chatter about Raheem talk about Mostert. not being able to hold on to the ball. Sorry, continue. That's yeah, that's no, well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but my, my point in this is not even going to be necessarily about Raheem Mostert as we've all built it up. It's is Chase Edmonds rosterable at this yes. point? 100%. Because just like Ken Walker, just like Jalen Warren, just like, you know, Benjamin, just like right now, what's possibly even happening with ETN is starting to push for that 50-50 split we thought might happen. But if James Robinson got hurt, this is what this is because Mostert gets hurt next week and everybody's flying to the waiver wires to go get uh, Chase Edmonds back. That's all. Yeah. I mean, you know, Benjamin is a, is a perfect, I think, kind of comparison. Uh, you know, we're going to be flying to the waiver wire this week because on the you know, on the, you know, rib injury news of James Conner and whether he's going to play or not, we're all going to want, you know, Benjamin. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the Chase Edmonds comparison there. But Raheem Mostert looked great. And I don't, you know, early in the year, this was bouncing back and forth. I think we're not bouncing back and forth now unless we see an injury there in Miami. With bye weeks coming up, is Chase Edmonds startable in any capacity? No. No, not now. Not with, There we go. Yeah, not with where we're at. There no, because you couldn't start Eno, and the only reason he had the day is because both of the Cardinals running backs got hurt. You know, right, well, let me let me then bring one of my bottom questions down and bring it up since you brought up Eno. You guys brought up Eno twice. Is anybody concerned with James Conner? James Conner went nine for fifty-five. He had one catch, only had fifteen. He's only had fifteen carries once this entire season. Has failed to reach sixty yards rushing. He's been a little bit in the passing game this past week. He has one touchdown on the year as well, which is his big thing. This past game, Eno got more work. Uh, eight for twenty-five in a score. Plus, he's been Hurt. involved in the receiving game. Connor has the the rib thing that's going on, but this has been consistent with Connor the entire year. Is anybody concerned with James Connor? It's the health. Yeah, but it's always the health with, with health with. Him. I mean, I think this is just the same situation as Najee Harris a little bit, but you know, you paid a lot more for Najee, so we're grousing about that a lot more. But 
yeah, we're you're not getting you know you're not getting near the production you wanted to get from from James Conner. But frankly, it's a it's a lot of guys like people who drafted Leonard Fournette. Like, yeah, he's had some good moments, but he hasn't been full what you wanted Leonard Fournette to be either. And there's you know you can go down the list of a lot of guys that are in that bucket. So I I think that's why we're not hearing a lot about James Conner. Look, James, James Conner is still top six in both goal to go and goal line rushes. That's what we paid for James Conner as an RB2. This is why we wanted him is to, for the touchdown equity and the fact that he's going to get all the opportunities. The only guys in front of him are people like Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. So this is what it's just he hasn't been out there consistently healthy that he's, you know, even with that market share in the run game is that it's been hit and miss. And the offense has been hit off. I don't know why I said offense like that. The offense has been hit or miss. You know, maybe Hopkins coming back kind of unlocks this whole thing because we've seen it before, although Marquise Brown is doing his thing, but just another opportunity to have more balance. But I think part of it just goes to Cliff Kingsbury. Everybody wants to make excuses for everybody else in the league, like all these coaches. Like Cliff Kingsbury has been, look at him since college coming to the NFL. Like, is he really that good of an NFL coach? I would put a giant question mark on that one. Most impressive thing about him has been his house, I think, outside of anything he's done. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Of... What do you consider James Conner right now? Like Still an RB2. RB2. Okay. RB2, yeah. Brees Hall uh, or James Conner? Brees Hall. As, a Brees Hall as... by a mile. I think a good question is what about like a Ken Walker or James Conner? Ken Walker is actually healthy. Yeah, I, I would agree with Ken Walker. And the reason I brought up Brees Hall, 18 for 91 with a score this week two catches for a hundred yards and I'm not going to even ask Brees versus Ken Walker, even though we keep talking, maybe it is a rightful question, but what status change has Brees Hall now had that Michael Carter still got a couple touchdowns, but Brees looks so good. The team continues the usage on him, made a huge play in the past game. He's always involved there. He's just killing all of his props every single week. Like what move, if any, is Brees moving as far as a confidence level goes and how you rank? Like, is he in that like him and Damian Pierce, like top 15? Is he a top 15 back rest of season? I think so. Yeah. I mean, the only bummer in watching that thing is it feels like they were just trying to give Michael Carter some goal to go stuff just to make him still feel good. Like he still has a place there because it, it's, it was pretty much the Brees Hall show other than giving Michael Carter a couple, uh, you know, gift touchdowns short range so like that'll be a bummer for Brees hall going forward if if you know carter's going to continue to take away point blank opportunities but man that that guy is doing everything and um you know michael salfino wrote in a scouting notebook that he would he thinks Brees hall would be a first round pick today if we were redrafting right now and you know it's hmm. i think it's a it's an easy argument to make that, that that's possible is is the Brees yes. carter situation kind of like javante melvin gordon from last year jake no Oh. No, because this is why this is that that we thought that would be the case with how it showed in the preseason and early on. Because here's what's changed. You said what's changed. This is exactly what changed. We had the same conversation last week, but not as in depth. What changed is 45, 25, 51. Those are snap count percentages in the first three weeks. The past two weeks, 67, 67. That's what changed. That's a hundred percent. And what was Carter's? Yeah, in the 20s and 30s. And some four, there was a 40 mixed in there too. With, well, I think last week was the, this past one we we're just talking about because they can be on the field at the same time, obviously. So mm. that's why. But we're talking about 30 ish. So we're basically talking about two thirds of the touches or opportunities to haul, which is bell cow status. As soon as you hit 60 to 65 and you start approaching 70%, that's the thing. And Michael Carter, those touchdowns, 
If Brees Hall didn't just rip off a giant pass reception and a giant run, he's probably still on the field from just not running 50, 60 yards. So I'm not worried about that. That's what changed, though. It's just the snaps. They've they've moved to him being the lead. Yeah, and the thing I would just kind of add to a couple of these guys we've talked about where it's like, hey, you know, you're like, hey, we talked about this. We've kind of already, co- you know, da, da, da. It's, it's that I think you're getting uh, a level of confidence now in some of these players. You're getting the confirmation, the confirmation bias that a lot of people might need to make to not have questions around guys like George Pickens or have questions around guys like Brees Hall. Like you're getting the confirmation on a week in a week out basis. So, um, you know, they don't, they don't sit in a fringy range anymore. They've kind of leveled up. If you will, they've leveled. By the way, even with those Carter touchdowns the last two weeks, Brees Hall is second only to Joe Mixon and goal to go and goal line rushes. It's just like a, some like a Chubb Kareem Hunt kind of situation. It's I think that's the much better. That's a great comparison. Yeah, as far as the splits and stuff, and we'll take that. Um, Austin Eckler went off again, sixteen for one seventy three and a score plus four for twenty six and a touchdown. So don't shoot the messenger on this. I'm simply going to bring this up. That doesn't mean I believe this, but should you sell high on Austin Eckler right now? I'd be for tempted. What? I'd be tempted because you could probably get your, you know, if you use the top five pick on him, I think he's going, I like, yeah, this is a sell high moment. I think he's going to be uneven. Like we saw through the first month. Um, Offensive line isn't great. And I just, you know, I think, you know, you're seeing Josh Kelly. uh, Maybe we'll see him more and more, but like, I think you can get a King's ransom for him right now. And I might be willing to do that. You know, I might take a lesser running back and really upgrade at wide receiver. If I'm, you know, if I need to spread my depth out and, and be, you know, I'm in like a two and three, one and four kind of team and making a, a big play. Like, yeah, a lot of teams probably have some, some issues trying to service, you know, put out a serviceable roster each week because of depth. I think Austin Eckler is a great time to trade him. You know, I think it's not bad. I, I, I get your I get your point, I guess, is what I'm trying Jake, to say. You, you say for what? Like, what if you could get. I'm just throwing this at her. What if you could get like Damian Pierce and Gabe Davis? Is that too much? Is that too high? You think that seems like an offer that might be out there? Someone thinks they're selling high on Gabe Davis, maybe a little bit on Damian Pierce. Do you do that for Austin Eckler? Uh, that's see the, the thing is when I say for what, because it's, it's still this is coming from somebody, and I'm not saying like a haha or anything. This is so people understand where I'm coming from as somebody who wasn't as high as everybody else was on Austin Eckler because I was worried about the split touches and I kept referencing that the Chargers have Super Bowl aspirations. So how do you get there with Austin Eckler being healthy? And now I'm saying that to say is I don't know. I like I agree with Funston, but for what? That doesn't feel like maybe quite enough because of the variance in Gabe Davis. And I think that's a mess. I love Damian Pierce. I love them in the pre-draft process. Everybody knows that. But I don't know that I love that drop off at running back. Uh, So. If it helps you at wide receiver because you're thin at wide receiver, sure. But I would like if you threw at me, I'm trying to think like Pittman because people are still a little bit concerned about Pittman. If you said Pearson Pittman, I would do that. That kind of that's kind of my thinking. What about Travis Kelsey and Ramondre Stevenson for Austin Eckler? I want to see how long Damian Harris is out. Mm. Sorry, Mm. that, that, that that's a factor. Well, actually, and funny enough, that was kind of one of the last ones. Uh, Ramondre with Damian Harris out went 25 for 161. And the question was, is Ramondre becoming more and more a trustworthy option, or do we just need to pray that Harris is not around in whatever capacity for Ramondre Stevenson? And I think you kind of answered that. And if Damian Harris is out, is that that's like a no-brainer trade for you, is Ramondre and Pittman? 
Yeah. So on Kelsey. all football, Chris and I made a Kelsey, list yeah. and yeah, we made a list and we actually said if we knew Harris was out at least four to six weeks and there was only 12 running backs, we would take over Ron J. Stevenson. So he's almost an RB one. And that's how the list started. It's like, isn't he an RB one? as long as Harris is out. So that's the big question because if Harris is out there, it's still like we just had a game where Stevenson was like, what, 30% and barely had a few touches. Like that's because that's how the Patriots backfield rolls. And Harris is the lead carrier. So I do like Stevenson, but that's what it comes down to. If Harris is out one or two weeks, then now Stevenson isn't enough. Brandon, what are you on Ramondre with Harris there? Has anything changed for you? I mean, he, he's just still explosive. I get into this space where I see these guys that when given an opportunity, whether a player's out, they perform really big, that I find it hard that teams can't have a realization like, oh, we just really need to get this guy the ball more, and Ramondre is electric without Harris out there. So it's a, I have a hard time believing coaches can't do this. I know, but, but Harris has been good at the goal line. We've had this kind of, you know, give and take last year and we kept thinking oh maybe Ramondre take over but the, the fact of the matter is Damian Harris is a really good running back in, in a way that Ramondre Stevenson I mean like between the tackles I mean Harris gets tough yards and I think he's kind of in that circle of trust and I don't think it's a bad thing for New England who wants to be very conservative to have both of these guys basically in an even old school 50-50 split in a D'Angelo Williams Jonathan Stewart kind of way like the original the OGs of, of platoon backfields. I think that's the way we're going here because Damian Harris, even though he's hurt, he deserves to be out there too. He's a good player and I don't want to slight him in any way. Well, I wish he was sitting out on waivers, uh, but he will not be, but there will be some other players. So let's take an early look over at the waiver wire order, at least in what it is today on Monday, not counting the Monday night game. Uh, and Jake, we'll start with you. Your top three, as I always place it out, you might have another player or two, but what does the waiver wire priority look like for you this week? Uh, it's Ken Walker by a mile, and hopefully you've been listening to us or reading the waiver column, and he's not sitting out there as it should not be number three, which I'll get to in a second. For me, it's number two because... I think you're looking at Pierce and Pickens we've been talking about for the past two weeks on this show as well. And I think they've both solidified themselves as wide receiver threes. Uh, when you see things go wrong for Pittman, Matt Ryan is the past two weeks immediately turned to Alex Pierce. And before you came along, Michael Beller said that Alec Pierce would be the best rookie wide receiver. And none of that's happening, obviously, but he's at least in the conversation for top five if this continues to roll the way it was. And I, I, I actually hit the over for that one, unlike some of these other wonderful week five calls. So Eno Benjamin is the third. And I put him as the third because as of today, we don't know James Conner and Daryl Williams status status size. So I will say until we find out more, I could see Eno being two if both of them are missing time. And especially if even two weeks that Connor's out. But until we know for sure, I would still take both of those wide receivers. And I love that you put Eno on there because Eno has been a guy I've been preaching about for the last couple of weeks, just in how he's looking and how the team is slowly starting to use him, even when Connor is okay. And then if they're going to be playing it uh, even you know more close to the chest with Connor, then Eno's going to get more runs. So I think he's a great speculative add, especially coming into the bye weeks. Brandon, what do you? Uh, what order do you have these guys? Yeah, I have. I mean. Jake said it. I mean, if Connor's fine and Eno moves down, I think he still needs to be someone that you want to you want to grab. But I have the same guys. I, to me, it's pretty clear cut. And Pickens is over fifty percent rostered, so I didn't put him down. But if he's out there, I mean, he's the number one wide receiver to get. I'd take him over Pierce, although it's close. In that game against Denver, Pierce was the guy that was was getting all the late big catches, you know, and and 
you know, Pittman was getting, was dealing with Patrick Sertan, but uh, Pierce is gaining clearly Matt Ryan's trust there. Uh, so he looks great. One thing I'll say is Taysom Hill is going to be out there in a ton of leagues. So uh, let's not forget about him either. Like if you're a, if you're a Tyler the Conklin guy or a, you know, a, one of these back end guys, I mean, why not grab Taysom Hill where he's available as a tight end? He's 30% owned in Yahoo right now. How would you prioritize him on this list if he, if he is? Well, if you have Tyler, need or not. If, you have Tyler, if you have Tyler Second. Conklin, you know, or someone of that ilk and, you know, I would put him ahead of, I would go Ken Walker, then Taysom probably, depending on the, the Eno thing. But, like, that's a big upgrade potentially at tight end, as we just talked about earlier. Jake, how would you do it? I can't, I I can't see well, you. you. Said, I said second. Oh I, oh, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. I, I, I'm yeah. actually surprised about that. I couldn't, I, for some reason, couldn't envision you going hard in on Taysom. As oh, well, no, no, he's third behind the wide receivers. I was going off what Fonsta said, that they're, gotcha. they're, they're both at the, I mean, but... I mean, for all intents and purposes, Tyler Boyd's still under 60%. So not that he had a big game, but you know, that all it takes is a Jamar Chase or a T. Higgins injury. Look at T. Higgins. If he actually sits out next week, everybody's going to be crazy for Tyler Boyd. He's actually in the same conversation as some of these backup running backs we're talking about. It's crazy. Time to get prepared for week six already as week five as we wave it goodbye. You can do that over at The Athletic where Jake is going to have his big article out. Uh, if you're a late night Tuesdayer, you can stay up late and you can get that into Wednesday morning. You can read all the fun stuff in it, the buys, the sells, the darts, and the full-on ranks. So go and do that. Make sure you're prepared. And come and hang with us on Thursday where we'll get you ready for week six. That is Brandon Funson. That is Jake Seeley. I'm Chris Welsh. Friendos, thank you for hanging out with us on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I'll talk to you later in the week. See ya.